we're going to be looking this morning at that passage from Luke chapter 19, Zacchaeus the tax collector. Now, have you ever heard that expression? I'm sure you have. You know, a picture is worth a thousand words. And the idea is that um, a picture is something which is, um, you know, is more expressive than just kind of words. You know, that you might, you might say a lot in words, but you know, a picture will just say it all in, a, in an instant as I've basically just proved by describing a picture paints a thousand words. But it's the thing, isn't it, that you can often see more in a picture or perhaps in a story than you can if someone just sits down and tells you this, that and the other. And I think so it is with the parables and the stories in the Gospels especially. Now, I think they are often to paint a picture which tells more than than just if Jesus sat down and said, well, it's like this, that and the other, you know, that, that actually a parable or one of these little kind of um, episodes in the gospel says more than just, you know, words. And um, and this is why I think it's important to be looking at Zacchaeus. You know, many people think about Zacchaeus and think about Zacchaeus as a children's story. And I really did think about singing, you know, singing that song. Now Zacchaeus was a very little man. I don't know if you ever sung that song in Sunday school or know that from, from younger days. Uh, but we won't sing that one, don't worry. Um, but I think a lot of people, you know, think these, you know, the, the, the Gospels are for children or, you know, just kind of Bible stories which are for, for, for little ones. Uh, but actually they say a huge amount for us. And this story of Zacchaeus is, is a picture and it's a picture of salvation. And when we delve into the story, what we'll find, I think, is that it says more than, than we thought it, it may have done. It's an important story to dive into. So, so with that in mind, let's just put the story into context, because I think context is actually, um, it makes a difference in this. Let's just think a little bit, very briefly, about the context. Luke chapter 18, the previous episodes that happen in Luke chapter 18, there is a, a rich, uh, or it says a certain ruler, uh, that's Luke chapter 18, verse 18. And it's, we call him the rich young ruler, kind of putting together the bits from the different Gospels. And, um, and Jesus says to him, because he had great wealth, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. A very, very famous saying of Jesus, that, isn't it? So we've got the rich young ruler who because of his wealth, can't enter the kingdom of God. Uh, and then there's the blind beggar, and um, he calls out to Jesus by the side of the road. And, um, and he says, Jesus says to him, what do you want me to do for you? And he says, Lord, I want to see. Lord, I want to see. And that brings us up to, to this episode of Zacchaeus here, because it says Jesus, he's going into Jericho, and we we see that um, as the blind, you know, he's coming up to the blind beggar, he's just coming into Jericho. So um, continuing on the same road, just a little bit further on. And uh, I think we're supposed to see there is a link there, you know, that it's still part of the same sort of um, story as it's going through. The stories are all linked together. And um, he comes across this, uh, this chief tax collector and it says he was wealthy. So you think back a minute, think back to the rich young ruler, wealth, 
it's coming up again and um, chief tax collectors uh, I don't know I mean I've been, I was trying to think of a modern equivalent and you've probably heard sermons on this before where you've um, you know people have tried to make the link I, I'm not sure there is quite the same equivalent today of a chief tax collector in our society I mean the closest I could come up with is sort of the rich greedy bankers and hedge fund managers you know people who seem to get rich on the back of other people's money or you might think of all of those um, rich millionaires who keep all their you know money offshore to avoid paying any tax or well, that's I don't know I mean it's it's basically um, they were seen as getting rich because they extorted money and that's um, that was the issue of the day that they, they were extorting um, the poor and um, and so it says of Zacchaeus in verse 3 he wanted to see who Jesus was that's interesting isn't it again we've got uh, another episode he's, he's wealthy and he wants to see it's like putting the previous two stories together isn't it he wants to see uh, Jesus and so he in a funny kind of um, thing he climbs a sycamore fig tree uh, since Jesus was coming that way uh, I always think that that's you know, this must be uh, absolutely true because who would make that up you know it's just so wonderful isn't it to think that um, you know these things really happened as well these things really happened um, so Jesus he's coming by and he's going down the road and Zacchaeus has gone ahead of him climbed up the tree to see him and Jesus comes reaches the spot and he looks up and says Zacchaeus come down immediately so um, one of the things that I, I used to think was that Jesus he, he just knew Zacchaeus's name because he was the son of God and he would have known any you know everything um, but actually one of the things which I, I, I thought about actually um, just as I was preparing this was perhaps um, yes that is absolutely true Jesus is the son of God but maybe he heard people as well you know saying oh Zacchaeus shove off we don't like you you know we hate you Zacchaeus get get lost you know and maybe that was people you know people were jeering at him so maybe that's why Jesus makes the point of actually saying Zacchaeus you know he he, he can kind of pick it up from the, from, from the crowd as well um, we don't really know do we but um, I just thought it was an, an interesting idea. But the, 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 the main point is, though, that Jesus is in control and Jesus uh, chooses to come to him. And Zacchaeus, he welcomes Jesus. Uh, and it says gladly. Verse six, he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Unlike uh, some of the the other religious leaders, you know, you think what the religious leaders, the the tax collectors and the Pharisees, uh, not tax collectors, sorry, the uh, chief um, uh, uh, teachers of the law and the tax um, and the Pharisees, I'm really struggling with words today. Uh, think about what they did to Jesus, the chief priests, uh, the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, and put him to death. Whereas Zacchaeus, he welcomes Jesus gladly. And the people, they're not happy. They very rarely are in, in the Gospels, are they? Um, it says, um, verse 7, all the people saw this and began to mutter or began to grumble. He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. In the Gospels, to grumble, in fact, in the whole Bible, to grumble is, is never a good 
thing and grumbling is in fact if you look in the Old Testament is one of the reasons why God uh, afflicted the people of Israel and, and complained against them because they were grumbling against God. Grumbling against God is one thing that we shouldn't do and grumbling against Jesus of course um, is exactly what, what the people were doing. Uh, and they, when they're saying you know um, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner what do you think they're really saying? I think what they're saying is Jesus why do you not want to spend more time with people who are more deserving like me rather than this guy who's just a horrible person and he's done nothing to deserve it. You need to be spending time with good people like me rather than this chief tax collector. That is, is basically the, the subtext of what, uh, of what the people are saying. And it's kind of like a deserving and entitled attitude, isn't it? You know, I deserve Jesus more. This guy doesn't. You know, don't spend any time with him, Jesus. But Zacchaeus, he, he proves them wrong. And uh, he says in verse 8, But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possession to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. So we don't know exactly uh, when that happened. I presume, you know, there was, a, there was a gap between verse 7 and 8. Jesus has gone to his house. They've talked together. And Zacchaeus shows that he's taken on board the message of Jesus. And what he, what he does, it's actually extraordinarily generous. Now, I think in the law, I was reading yesterday that the requirement was about 20% if you had um, given, cheated anybody, was restitution. But um, Zacchaeus gives half his possessions and then gives back four times the amount, which is more than he was sort of required to give. So it was more generous. And um, he, you know, it, it just really shows that he is a changed man. You know, he hasn't just listened to the, the voice of Jesus, to the teaching of Jesus and then gone away. But he's listened and he's taken it to heart. He's listened and he's He's taken it to heart. It made me think actually of um, a few few months ago, a few years ago now actually I think, I was reading a book by someone called Melvin Tinker who's a pastor up in um, up in Hull and he wrote a book and he described this story. He One day he was there in their sort of staff meeting in their church and Melvin Tinker he was prayed, he sort of prayed a quite um, intense prayer for you know someone that day to to come to, to the church to you know to be saved and um, later on that day he had a call and it turned out to be one of the drug dealers from the city and um, you know this drug dealer had just had a sense that actually what he was doing m might be wrong and you know could he could they talk about it and the, the long story short the guy became a Christian and the guy you know you know started reading um, you know the Bible and and started um, reading um, sort of Christian books and things and it, his life turned around and you could pick on many many examples of that you know how people have gone from being you know really doing some really terrible things actually turning to Christ uh, and coming uh, coming and sort of having their lives uh, turned around by that and um, that's why Jesus goes on to say he finishes off he says look today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. 
He says, look, this man too is a, is a son of Abraham. This man is a real uh, child of God. If you just flip back to, uh, to Luke chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, it says there, uh, Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. So what John the Baptist says and what Jesus is saying is that actually the true children of God, the true children of Abraham, are the ones who not just listen to Jesus in a sort of an interested kind of, I don't mind listening to Jesus, is interesting, but who actually take it to heart and who bear fruit in their lives, who change, change from their evil ways to change to the ways that God has given us, the ways of love that God has given us in, in his, his word uh, to follow. Those are the real uh, children of Abraham, the real children of God. So I thought it, perhaps just to finish with, let's just go through what Jesus says in this final verse here. Uh, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And I think this is a fitting conclusion to this episode. And it shows what, uh, what has been going on over the previous, um, previous few sort of times uh, in, the, in the gospel. It says Jesus came to seek. Jesus seeks. Now he's the one who takes the initiative. And that's what we see in this story, isn't it? That Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus, but Jesus stops and he says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to you today. You know, so Jesus takes the initiative uh, first of all. And we see that through, uh, through the, the rest of the Bible. Let me just read you uh, a couple of verses from the Bible which demonstrate that this is, uh, this is always the case. Uh, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 10, for example, says, This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That's love. We didn't love God first, but he loved us and sent Jesus even as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That is true love. That even when we didn't love God, he loved us and sent Jesus to die for us. Think about that, what that says about God's uh, wonderful love and, and how he takes the initiative in saving us. And this is what it says in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 5 and verse 10, which says, For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him. So it wasn't that we decided one day to stop being enemies of God, but even while we were still enemies of God, he came to us and sent Jesus to die for us. You think about what wonderful truth that is, what that says about, about God and how greatly he loves us. And I thought about this and um, was thinking, you know, what does this say about the kind of people that God loves? Because it, one of the things that this means is that no one is out of reach of God's grace and God's goodness. No one. Now, we can't look at anyone and say, oh, you know, such and such a person, no, they're too far gone. God doesn't love them. That was what people thought about Zacchaeus, and that was wrong. Now, no one is beyond the reach of, of the love of God. 
And so I just thought, you know, who could we be praying for? You know, is there anyone who we perhaps think of as, um, you know, beyond God's reach or, you know, um, not, not worthy? But actually, you know, could we pray for them? Could we ask God to, to transform them and to, to, to seek them, you know, even them? Uh, perhaps family members, perhaps friends, neighbours, perhaps even just people we, we see and read about in the paper or on TV. You know, that it's just good to be praying, I think, that God will seek those, uh, those who need to be, to be sought. So second thing is, um, first thing is Jesus seeks. Second thing is Jesus came to save. Jesus saves. And it's the wonderful thing, isn't it, that although what Zacchaeus did was wrong, that extorting money is, is very, very wrong, that he received free forgiveness from the Lord Jesus. He received free forgiveness because Jesus came to die for sinners like Zacchaeus and like you and me. Jesus came to die so that we may be forgiven. And that forgiveness is actually what changes Zacchaeus. Knowing how, how badly wrong his life was, and yet knowing how much he owe, um, he owed to God, knowing how much he kind of um, God had done for him, knowing the grace of God, that was what changed him and gave him the power to do something extraordinarily generous. You know, it's God's generosity, God's grace, which gives us the power to be generous ourselves. And I thought it was just a good moment to think. You know, do we really know? The generosity of God. Do we really know uh, the goodness and the, the you know the how much we've been forgiven by God? Do we know that deeply? You know more and more. You know just to know how much we are sinners and yet how much God has forgiven us in Jesus Christ, because that is what really changes us, as it did to Zacchaeus and as many many people have found through through the ages as well. So the final thing is that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Came to seek and to save the lost. He came to seek those who are immoral and impure and, and greedy and drunks and frauds and, you know, all of the bad things that you could mention. Jesus came to save them and, and that includes you and me. You know, because although we may not have been extorting money from people, that all of us need the salvation that uh, is offered in Jesus Christ that none of us are, are perfect. We've all got skeletons in the closet if you look hard enough and especially if you look at the way that we, we just don't love others uh, in the way that God wants us to. And when we compare ourselves to Jesus, if you compare yourself to other people, you, you may think, oh, you're doing all right. But actually, when we compare ourselves to Jesus, that is when we um, realise, actually, I'm not doing as well as I thought I am. So... Jesus came to seek and to save the lost, including people like you and me. And that's, uh, that's everyone, isn't it, really? That uh, the lost is all of us. We all need to turn to the Lord. We all need to turn to Jesus and receive forgiveness. And I thought I'd finish by reading uh, a passage which I've had in my own sort of um, quiet times over the last few, few days uh, from 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 to 31 thought this was a good place to, to end. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. 
Not many were of noble birth, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And you know, I think it's tempting to think that God loves me because I'm such a good person. Uh, but actually, we know that, that the truth is the opposite. You know, God loves us because he loves us. And his love makes us and, and changes us into what he wants us to be. And just like Zacchaeus, that's that, that picture of salvation. It's the same for, for you and I as well, that we come to God with empty hands and his grace changes us. Amen.